0: Hey y'all, Producer Drew here. We have an incredibly talented staff here at the CMA. On this podcast, you've met quite a few of them, but I wanted to give y'all the opportunity to get to know one a little better. We brought Jackie Palmieri on to talk about her work with Amanda McCauver's latest exhibition, but I couldn't resist the opportunity to ask her some more questions about her role here at the museum and some of the work she's helping support in arts education. So I hope you all enjoy this extended interview with Jackie Palmieri. Let's start the show. Hey y'all, producer Drew here. I am so excited because today I get to bring on a special guest who's not only a good friend of mine, but like such an asset to this museum and all that she does. She's only been here for a couple of years, but has made a huge impact along the way. I want to introduce all of you to Jackie Palmieri. <laughs> I'm saying that right, right. This
1: is close enough. Uh, the the Americanized version we just say Palmary is probably something more like Polmieri or something like that.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Jackie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of how how you made it here to the museum? Because I know you've actually been all over the U.S. and done quite a few different things. So. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Columbia was. Kind of just an accident. Um, it was. It was really. I came to the museum in the middle of COVID as just kind of a, a holdover. Like, man, I got you know my freelance. Everyone, nobody was spending any money. Um, uh, there was no graphic design. There was no art commissions. Uh, so I was like, man, like I, I just I just need something to kind of pay the bills. And then I saw uh, there, they were hiring gallery attendants and I was like, you're going to pay me to just stand around an art museum all day long? Absolutely. Best job ever. I get free admission to a museum (laughs) and I get paid for it. Um, and so I just, I just took that job and started meeting the people here and kind of liked it and decided to stay.
0: It's true. Jackie used to tell me not to touch things, and now she has been involved in the touch tours. <laughs> and now so. I literally tell people touch this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> with gloves. With gloves. That's true. But you have been doing a lot of things uh, to help us uh, have more materials that we can touch without gloves, too, right? You've been doing all that three D printing recently. Can yes. You, could you yes. talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So I uh, like I I don't know that they knew that they were doing these projects when they hired me, Um, but. In a previous life, I had actually, I did graphic design, so I know Vector, uh, and then a little bit of CAD and kind of industrial design type things. So wasn't super great at Blender, but it was, it was a natural enough segue. Um, and originally the 3D printers, I believe the grant was for accessibility, but like, long distance. So kids or schools that don't have the money to come into a big city to see a museum would never get to see what these pieces look like in the round. So, um so we could print off 3D models. Now when the grant was <laughs> when the grant was applied for, I don't think they realized how tricky getting a 3D model of a piece that you own <laughs> that doesn't already exist in the 3D uh, printable realm uh, how difficult that was going to be. So, but I mean, that was fun. I got to learn about photogrammetry software and uh, test print things, and yeah. Now, now I can just go up into the galleries and scan things and print them. It's it's awesome.
0: What kind of challenges did you face with that? Because I know that I I little peek behind the curtain for our listeners. I am a huge nerd, and everyone knows that. And I spent <laughs> a lot of time talking to Jackie about this project because. It is personally to me very fascinating in the amount of trial and error that it requires. Um, I don't think a lot of people will realize that when they see the final product. Um, but I know that you had to do multiple iterations of a lot of these. Could you talk a little bit about like some of the things you learned along the way?
1: Yeah, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. Just getting anything remotely uh, 3D model-ish required us somehow taking a piece in the real world um, and making it into a piece in the digital world. Uh, Normally, what you would do is either you'd have a massive studio that kind of looks like the Globe and Epcot, uh, but it's all cameras and all perfectly lit, and then you'd set all those cameras off at the same time. That would be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Second best is they have these kind of like photo laser cameras uh, that essentially does what our eyes do. You know, it kind of uh, perceives the depth, um, but it does it with lasers. Those are about $40,000, which is not our budget. So the next best thing that I found um, was a lot of our digital cameras are actually fairly sophisticated. And, you know, if you've got an an Android or uh, Apple, they have portrait mode. So it can kind of smart detect, oh, you're definitely the foreground and you're definitely the feature. So I'm going to kind of block out the rest. So that type of software, the fact that that information is embedded in any given digital photograph if I take hundreds of photographs and put it into a computer program, it will kind of be like, okay, this is the thing that she's taking a photo of and isolate it and kind of guess, uh, like, stitch it all together and kind of guess what I was looking at. Now, it's not smart like a human, so it doesn't know, oh, this is the the marble statue of Salas. It's just like, she keeps kind of taking pictures of this color, this texture, this depth away. Um... So, yeah, so you got the curatorial crew up there to take things out of the glass. And I walked around it a million times taking photos and photos and photos. And then we'd have to sit there for 15 minutes while I processed it to make sure that, you know, Salas didn't have like a hole in her face or something like that. Uh, There were a couple of really bad ones where the chair kind of looked like Swiss cheese or something. And I was like, okay, I got to
0: rescan this. Have you seen, uh, you know, Dolly, like the new uh, smart image yeah, building technology yeah. so were so you getting things that kind of turned out like that oh, where yeah. oh half, yeah half of the face was just this horrific melted uh, oh
1: yeah and, and that that happened in multiple stages of the process like maybe i got a good scan but then i'd pull it into like the 3d software and i'd be like "Ooh, <laughs> what happened there <laughs> and then sometimes in the printer like all of a sudden something it would all look good it would all look good and then you would go to print it and something would go wrong and i've, I've definitely got like a weird salvador Dali camel that I'm keeping, and I love him, and he's a, definitely a misprint.
0: <laughs> our mistakes can be our greatest triumphs,
1: right? I mean, we all grew up with uh, Bob Ross; it's the happy accidents, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a little younger than you. I did not grow up. With oh, Bob Ross. okay. Oh, hush, I grew up hush your... with what? the memory of Bob Ross. <laughs> babies,
1: babies! I'm surrounded by babies.
0: <laughs> um. So you do, I mean, you do a lot here. We've all like taken on our fair share of special projects over the years. One of the ones you recently just finished up is really exciting. And it's really part of the reason I brought you in here today was to talk about the work you did with Amanda McCover's new installation. Could you tell me kind of how you got involved in that and uh, what your role was during the installation?
1: Yeah, um, I'm I'm not super sure how I got involved. Um <laughs> When I when I applied for this job and they're asking me what I had done in the past, uh, my my last employer uh, was an artist named Michael Cheryl, and we did a little bit of everything—a little bit of production, a little bit of home repair and construction, and like <laughs> yard work, and also, like of course, like glass and metal and ceramics. Um, so they knew that i had a studio art background and they knew that i'd worked with art and with artists um so i think that they were like well we're gonna need extra hands why don't we bring in the person who's literally done this before um but specifically it wasn't just you're gonna be assisting the curatorial staff they asked me to um amanda apparently everywhere she goes for this specific piece um is like, I'm going to need a lot of hands. So whether that's staff or volunteers, bring them in. And she's one of the artists that's very, very interested in bringing in volunteers, people who aren't necessarily, you know, museum trained, you know, curators, preparators, um, which I think is awesome. Like... um, Well,
0: it's super rare, right? Like, you don't don't meet a lot of contemporary artists that want a lot of meddling from the outside. Uh, We've had a lot of artists come in here that really required no interruptions whatsoever and from my from what I've seen Amanda was very much the opposite of that in every way yeah
1: yeah yeah. I mean you know artists and musicians or whatever like when you're when you're getting into your zone and especially like if it's an installation um, you kind of a lot of times the artists kind of want this this space and this kind of like zen and this quiet to just make sure everything's right even if they want you to interact with the art when it's up the putting it up a lot of times they can be a very protective but Amanda is an absolute sweetheart. Um, if you guys haven't met her or haven't watched any of her lectures, she is such just a sweet, open, bright personality. Um, and yeah, I was I was personally just really excited to meet her, to get to work with her. As someone in the fine craft world, I've kind of been following her on Instagram and the different art journals and things like that. And it was just really cool to meet this human who seems like a really sweet, down-to-earth person and she was <laughs> um but yeah so i i was in charge of bringing in volunteers and um i i was excited at the idea of bringing in people i mean obviously i'm looking at people that would actually be helpful to amanda <laughs> um but uh trying to bring in people from the community that would be as excited as I was to work with Amanda. Um, so trying to reach out to local art groups. And I mean, I'm, I'm new to the area, so I don't know. And everywhere I turn, I find more art groups in Columbia, which is awesome. So if you're listening to this and you didn't get an invite, I'm so sorry. Email me so that we can collaborate in the future. Um. But yeah, reached out to different people. Um, I, I have a neighbor up the road who has stuff um, on her yard and her porch. And she j- like, obviously is an artist. Um, and then I found out their name is Flavia. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that person, that person is going to want to meet Amanda is going to be helpful to Amanda. Like I need I need her to come into the museum.
0: That's funny. I knew that was Flavia. I hadn't seen her in forever, and I recognized her from a distance, and I was like, hmm, I'm like, why do I know this person? Because it's been like <laughs> three years since I've seen her in person. You yeah,
1: know? and apparently she's like a member of the museum, and she's been in shows at 701, and so I knew her work, and then I just knew that there was this cool person who lived up the road from me, but I didn't realize that it was the same person. <laughs>
0: That's so awesome. I love that. Um, uh, You know, one of the things I thought was really cool um, because I got to go in there a lot when I was running that time lapse was I got to see the variety of different folks from like all walks of life that you kind of brought in in this volunteer shift because, yeah, you did have like Flavia uh, Lovatelli uh, for listeners at home. Great artist. She does a lot of work with paper, a Mm -hmm. lot of Mm -hmm. fibrous paper. Uh, work that is really, really compelling and interesting in its own right, though not who we're here to talk about today. (laughs) But along with that, I mean, you had high school students, you had uh, grown adults, you know, retired aged adults. I mean, it was just I thought it was really great to see this like wide swath of the community all working together to like one singular goal.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I I really wanted to kind of cultivate that atmosphere where people who Obviously have some sort of adjacent interaction with the museum because I know about them. <laughs> but they wouldn't necessarily interact with each other. So, you know, I, I was asking people, I was like, if you've got kids who can listen to directions and don't mind sitting still and tying knots for three hours, like, let me know. Let them come in, let them do something fun at the museum, you know? Um, and the the part-timers are an amazing group of humans. They we have had so many amazing creative young people come through the museum doors as just front desk staff, as just gallery attendants. You know, just seeing this person and I just think, "Oh, they're they're security staff, whatever." And then I find out, you know, she's an amazing watercolor artist. Hey, you know, they do this collage. Uh you write poetry. One girl studied Arthurian literature, poetry, Arthurian poetry, like, it's just such amazing, creative, interesting people. And I knew that they would be really excited to get to be part of this, like behind the scenes to get some, get to meet someone that they kind of view as a celebrity. Um, and I felt like it would really, um, make them feel like proud. Like there's ownership in this exhibit, you know, like not only are they just standing in the room guarding the artwork, you know, Um, but like, they're like, I was a part of this. I hung these things. I got to, I got to meet this person. I got to, I got to sit here underneath all these flowers and tie things together.
0: Hey y'all, you know who it is. Just thought you might like to know there's more coming soon, you know more? What? You keep acting like you don't know what I mean. Come on. I'm talking about more exhibitions, more classes, more programs, more concerts, more tours, more art, more podcasts. There's always more at the CMA. See? More. And members get even more than that. More mission, more parties, more benefits than I can name in this ad. In fact, it might be easier if you just go see for yourself, because if I have to list how much more there is, we'll be here all day. You can see more for yourself on our website, www.columbiamuseum.org. And now, for more of the show. Yeah, I think you you said two things that really stood out to me just now. First of all, I have to say I completely agree. We have an insanely talented staff. This place really does draw a lot of very, very talented folks from the community. It always has, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. The amount of just raw talent that just comes out of the people that work at the front desk or the people that are like as gallery guards, yourself included is a perfect example. <laughs> I, it, it is amazing to me, uh, that over the years the museum has been able to bring in so many talented people. And I think, you know, people that work in create in the creative arts, they want to work in creative spaces. So it does kind of make sense. But um yeah, it never ceases to amaze me. Literally every single new hire I meet has some background with that uh in the arts in some way, shape, or form. So I always find that really interesting. But The other thing that you mentioned that I really wanted to bring up in more detail was the fact that like this was a very hands on like this was every part of the process of this installation was done by hand for the most part. Um, and that goes kind of back to when the pieces themselves were actually created by Amanda beforehand. I mean, she's doing a lot of that work by hand. It's not like she's getting it all fabricated by someone else and then bringing it in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's sure. making all the weavings and then bringing them in and y'all are hanging and, sti- and like tying and doing all these things by hand. Can you talk a little bit about the experience of being able to kind of work so intimately with somebody else's like pieces like that and what, uh, what value there might be in like that slow sort of methodical kind of work as opposed to like, just hanging something up and calling it a day. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah. And actually that, that is very much a part of Amanda's concept and philosophy for her work in general, but specifically this piece Um, as, as everyone's sitting there working, everyone kind of be chit chatting and we'd be listening to music and we, uh, the topics would wander but one of the volunteers asked her you know like why why did you do your work this way why are these little pieces why are they so detailed why are we hanging them one by one you know like you know explain that and she kept saying um things like it's it's kind of this idea of like community and and they were just speaking about the artwork they they were like all of these little pieces come together and make this big monumental thing you've got you've got these little stars that are smaller than the palm of your hand but it takes up a whole room you know usually when you go into an art gallery there's several pieces in there her work it's one piece technically but it's thousands of little pieces and that that idea that her work and also the installation of it requires many small pieces all coming together to make this epic momentous thing Like that's that's on purpose. She did that on purpose. Um, And everything is very I mean, even even the embroidery, it is it is a machine embroidery, but it's not like it's programmed. You know, it's not like my 3D printer where once I've once I've made the model and I I just hit the button and tell it what to do and I can walk away. She's sitting there with a hoop in her hand, like hand spirographing all of these, these are thousands. This took her years. (laughs) She's like, I would just put on Netflix or a movie and (laughs) just (laughs) go to town. And so, yeah, just the fact that this entire process has been like this very, it's a very traditional craft. It's this hands-on labor of love. Every piece is touched every, you know, each knot, you know, there's, the not hanging it from the ceiling. There's the not hanging the piece at the base. Like every single piece of this has been like gently and meticulously touched by a human. And I think that's just, it's so, it's such a great concept. I love it.
0: Yeah. I love that part about it too. I mean, I think that to me, the fact that like what you're looking at in the gallery is just the culmination of an entire community's worth of work Mm -hmm, right like mm -hmm. that's i mean yeah you're looking at the weavings and you're looking at how it's all installed and like ooh, it's so beautiful and it looks like a forest when you're in it and all of that but what you're really looking at is people's work i mean you're looking at the labor and time put in i mean this was not a short installation period how long did this take (laughs) to put in the gallery
1: um yeah just the installation um originally we had scheduled it to be from Monday through Friday it was just going to be a work week you know nine to five Monday through Friday and we got to Wednesday and I was up on the the scissor lift looking around and I'm like we should be halfway done and we're not <laughs> I'm a little worried <laughs> um so yeah uh the bulk of it we, we really the volunteers were amazing they really really were It it got to the point where they were working faster than Amanda and I could keep up with them um so we kind of lit a fire underneath everyone. We're like, all right, we got, we got to pick up the pace, you know, like don't, don't rush and get sloppy, but we got to pick up the pace. And people generously volunteered, like, if you need me on the weekends, I can come in. So essentially the bulk of it was done by <laughs> end of day Saturday. But yeah, I mean, Amanda and I started at nine in the morning. We usually didn't leave until 7.30 <laughs> and we worked through Saturday. Um, and we, we still been kind of tweaking it up until what Thursday So is, what today is? <laughs> <laughs> like up until yesterday there was still a little bit like mm, this side's a little thick this side's a little thin tweak 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 but
0: <laughs> Jackie's lost all sense of time because she's been living here for the I, past I two have. years
1: I, I've lost the ability apparently being 15 feet up in the air like disorients me from all Space, time, whatever.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about that, actually. Uh, not the space time part, but the 15 feet in the air. So you had to use a scissor lift for this. This is your first time operating a scissor oh, lift? Is no, that right? Baby. Oh, no, oh, 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 no, Okay, no. okay. Excuse-moi. Uh, I retract my statement. <laughs> Please, tell me your experience with scissor lifts and how you got to incorporate that into the installation of Amanda's work.
1: Um, I, I, I talked to the curatorial staff casually in the past about my interactions with scissor lifts and then <laughs> Jackie Adams, uh, when she when she was proposing that I be involved in that she goes, now you're going to have to be up on a scissor lift. Are you afraid of heights? Have you ever used a scissor lift before? And I was like, oh yeah, Michael had a scissor lift in his studio. That's how I got to my quote unquote office space, which was a loft that hadn't had a ladder or stairs built to it yet. So, like, wherever the scissor lift was in the studio, and, like, if you've ever worked in a clay studio, there's a lot of obstacles. So, I'd have to kind of, like, gingerly, like, navigate it over to the loft area. And then I would go up and down with my... I, I was technically there to do emails and, like, digital things. So, I'm I'm carrying around a laptop and usually a cup of coffee because I'm me. Um, and so, you know, you, you just put all the things in the lift and you go up. And then when you want to come down, you can just put all the things in the lift and you go down again. For some reason... Um, they all decided, well, let's just park the scissor lift here. We don't use it for that many other things very often. So this is where it'll live. It'll be parked there. Um, but remain in the up position. Even if I'm on the ground So every day I would come into work and I would kind of like tuck my laptop underneath my arm and like kind of balance my cup of coffee and like one arm climb up this scissor lift to get up to the loft.
0: For the record, (laughs) listeners, this was not at the museum. We would not have someone climb a scissor lift. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We ride um, it up here. You know, for listeners at home, we're assuming that, you know, what a scissor lift is. But if you don't, it's like a large platform that can raise itself in the air. Uh, You've seen them around at construction sites. You've definitely seen them. And it is an important tool here at the museum. The curatorial staff uses one to do all the lighting, um, a lot of the installation of work. Uh, it's it is like the best staff member you've never met. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we had three of them for the installation of this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the museum has a scissor lift, um, and then we were gonna we were gonna rent one more, and then we realized that we we really needed to be renting two, and not just the one, so that Amanda could be up in the air using one, and I could be up in the air using one and then all the volunteers were kind of like I said it was it felt like fishing because like I would drop a line down and all of a sudden people would swarm like, <laughs> I've got this little I've got this little trail of white white cards that I've dropped down for people to as a marker like hey tie this and all of a sudden people would be like scurrying and like I'd have this flood of people around me
0: <laughs> so in classic summertime fashion <laughs> Jackie chose to go fishing for the last few weeks. Uh,
1: Does fishing usually hurt your your thumb the way that this did? I just need everybody to know those threads are all put into the ceiling with essentially thumbtacks, and Amanda and I hand put every single one of those thumbtacks in. So, uh, I have I have an interesting callus, the pad of my thumb that I wasn't expecting
0: to have. Hey, and you can see it right here at the museum. You can see the exhibition. You can see Jackie's thumb. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no.
0: You can buy her a coffee and then she'll let you see it. Yes, I, yeah.
1: I, I will take offerings of coffee or massage gift certificates.
0: <laughs> just for your thumb though
1: but oh yeah my my thumb not even the full hand <laughs>
0: oh my gosh so let me ask you this because I mean you, you guys have been working on this for a really long time I mean what probably feels like a eternity now because you just spent all of your time kind of in this like time yeah. suck of uh, of an installation period but how does it feel to kind of see it In completion, like to like look at it and see like the culmination of all the work. Uh,
1: uh, Magical, utterly magical. Even even just from the the beginning of the day to the end of the day, because I'd be I'd be up on the lift up by the ceiling. So it it looks completely different. It just it didn't feel like we were getting much done. It didn't look like it was going to have that much visual impact. And then even just the end of the first day, I came down off of the lift and I was like, whoa this is so cool oh my gosh like and if anyone has met me or knows me like I started kind of just hopping around and wiggling in place because it was so cool and so like every day when I would come off the lift at the end of the day it was the room had transformed just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and to finally see it um yesterday where basically everything was hung in both of the galleries and the lighting they were still kind of tweaking it but it was basically done it was it was absolutely magical like this space that just felt like an empty you know chaotic studio for a second because there were just a million people running there was tables there was machinery there was chairs everywhere and thread and scissors to have all of that cleaned up cleared out and the lighting just perfect it was it was the drama of it is just amazing
0: yeah it really is i just got to go in there and take some installation photos for the first time kind of cleared out and quiet and really being able to experience that um just moment of peace i mean it really does remind me of going on a hike there's like a real feeling that like all of these little pieces just slightly move with like the wind. And as you pass them, you see them move just like leaves do out in the forest. And it just, um, there is something really special and unique about this that I really want visitors to experience for themselves. And y'all should, because Amanda McAver's bright little day stars is on view now through October 2nd at the Columbia museum of art. Jackie Palmieri (laughs) Palmieri. It has been such a pleasure to have you in, and we've really got to have you back. Thank you so, so much for hanging out in a closet with me during the work hours. absolutely.
1: Hey, the closet's bigger than I thought it was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Binder Podcast is a production of the Columbia Museum of Art. Today's episode was hosted, edited, and recorded by me, Drew Barron. Special assistance from Joelle Ryan Cook. For more about Binder, CMA exhibitions, and programs, visit our website, ColumbiaMuseum.org. Till next time.
1: Don't be offended, but like you absolutely are like a hundred percent like kid show hosts. Oh yeah. Like. Like vo- I'm not voice, offended by voice that. Voice mannerisms, all of it. I'm
0: like, not offended by that. I'm like
1: you are you are the next like what's the blues clue? Steve. Oh my god, <laughs> you just made my day. <laughs>